Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm excited to be back with you on this episode. Thank you for listening to this and sharing with your friends and your family. It's a great honor and a privilege to be able to help you a little bit along your way. One of the greatest things that we talk about in church and that we talk about amongst our people uh, that we fellowship with is the principle of change. And it's how to change. What do we do? Uh, It's one thing to be able to see that something's wrong. It's another thing to be able to apply biblical principles and change in our life. And I think it's important. It's an important subject. Important enough, I'm going to dedicate this one time at least to discussing this because it was actually some questions that was asked to me um, here even this morning that I was beginning to think about this thing called change and the principle of change. And first of all, uh, a lot of there's been a lot of study on this, a lot of books, millions and millions of copies of books have been sold. It's a very hot topic because people want to change. But the question is, is if so many people want to set change, why do we so little see so little change? And uh, I mean, we do see change, but but self-help books, if they if they work, they would only sell one and then they wouldn't have to buy another one. But people are searching all the time how to change. And for me, you know, everybody, everybody has different thinking processes. Uh, Normally, you know, they've always been called right or left brain, you know, analytical or experiential kind of uh, to sum it up in layman's terms. But but really, uh, as we look for most people to understand it, to be able to change, we need to first understand where change comes from. Because really, change can be a frustrating place. I don't know about you, but I've been frustrated in my life in areas I want to change, and I couldn't change. Um, Obviously, before Christ, it was a lot harder to change anything. And after Christ, uh, change came easier because once you accept Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit enters your body at salvation, you then have an outside force that's also inside that helps you to be able to change. But also, there is a a great amount of this still because we still have our flesh, we still have our soul, we still have the sin nature. Uh, Paul said, I die daily. So he meant what he meant was, I have to die to my flesh, I have to die to my still, my corrupt nature daily. And so there is a process of that, uh, but 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 having said that, I think to be able to understand this, we need to understand you know what what's needed for change and and why change does and doesn't happen. But the the Bible talks about this, and it talks about the heart. And really, uh, the psalmist said, "Out of the issues, out of the heart flows the issues of life." And so it's really, as we do, as we see, here's what it says, Proverbs 4.23, I found it. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So out of, out of it are the issues of life. The thing is, is that if our life, if we're, if we're seeing things in our life that we want to change but can't, Many times it comes back to the heart. A lot of things come back to the heart. And the heart's a not easy thing to understand uh, in, in the scripture because there's so much mentioned in heart and spirit, and it's very difficult to tell what it is. But the heart is the is the mystical place. I say it's very difficult on face value. Once you study it, you can find it. But the heart... Uh, at face value is really uh, what it is it's talking about in scripture is that flows out of the issues of life. This word is cardia, 
is the word cardio. We get like cardiologist that works on the heart. We know it's not the thing that beats inside of you, but the heart is the mystical place. Uh, obviously, that's a heart too, but, but, but the heart that the Bible's talking about is the mystical place between the soul and the spirit. And this is important. And, and I think about scriptures that said that the word of God is sharp and powerful, sharpening two-edged sword divides even to the bone and the marrow. It's saying it divides the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that's what's so important about change is, you know, the Bible, I, I think of a scripture that says a heart's deceitfully wicked that no one can know it. But then I hear people all the time say, hey, I got a good heart. God knows my heart. Well, he does know your heart. He knows your heart better than you know your heart. You can be deceived. So when I look at change, I have to ask myself in my life, what are my beliefs? Because really, if you say you want to change, I mean, that talks cheap, right? But the the bottom line is, if I continue doing something that I want to change and it doesn't change, what is the belief system that's behind this? Because deeper within the heart is values, Now, there's a lot of study done on the mind, and I love study done on the mind. Dr. Caroline Leaf has a great books on this. I mean, book after book, and she's a brilliant, and she's a great Christian uh, psychologist, scientist. She's got many titles, but she's, she's a wonderful, wonderful on the things of the thoughts, and the thoughts are wonderful, but it's deeper than thoughts. Your thoughts are secondary to your values, so in your heart, your values, your core of your being, uh, I, I, I preached the other day on Super Bowl Sunday, and I said the core of an athlete's the most important. If you have a strong core, then you could be great in the weight room. You could be great on the football field. But if your core is weak, which is your glutes, your, your thighs, your, your hips, that's the strength of a wrestler, of a football player, of a basketball player, of a power lifter. It's the core of the body that's most important. And the core is our heart, and within our heart is our values. So I don't want to get you lost here, but but I think it's important when we talk about change to talk about the heart. And so many times I think we, we don't understand. If I say I believe something and I desire change, then really, and I've pr- I pray about it and ask God about it, and I don't see the change, uh, there's one of a few things that can be happening. First of all, I want to talk about this because it's important, because habits, we do have habits. Uh, I don't know what habits you have, but through my life, I've had various different habits, and they're strange. But whenever I was a young man, one of the things I did as a habit, they kept trying to get me to stop to do was rubbing my knuckles together. And I just rub them together and rub them together. And I didn't know why, but I did it. I'd sit there in school and I'd do it. Eventually, I rubbed, my, rubbed them so long, they were bare skin and bleeding, and it hurt, but I still rubbed my knuckles together. And I remember trying to change it, trying to change it, but I couldn't. And I was a young man, and I didn't understand. And I believe, I don't know, but I believe that after looking back later, as I began to understand habitual things in children, I think probably I was going some, through some emotional change. I remember it starting to happen whenever I moved out from my mother's house to my grandparents' house because of life situations we had to go. And, and it probably was some emotional pain connected. But having said that, I, you, you couldn't look at me at 10 years old and say, change, you know, come on, change, stop doing that. They did it. They tried to do it. But really, there was a root problem there. And then later, that habit kind of went away and some other habits. But, but habitual things, uh, for instance, the way you respond to someone in emotion, it can be habitual. 
you can really be wanting change, but then have a horrible, a, a bad habit that you've created through time. And see, that's where we got to have grace with people to change. I've heard people say, well, if you, you know, you dummy, if you, you want to change, change. It's that simple. It's mind over matter. No, it's not. Because there's also habits. And I always tell people, if it's so easy to change, why don't you change your attitude about that? You know, because that's where we need grace. But change takes about uh, 40 days between uh, 35 and, and 40 days, depending on who you listen to, to be able to change a habit. So habits can change. You can want to change, but have a habit because, uh, for instance, one of the things, and this is, uh, is bizarre, but but one of the things, if you've never smoked, some of the people smoke, they identify coffee drinking, whatever it is, using the restroom. There's things that go along with it. And when people quit smoking, they say, man, I just didn't enjoy my coffee. I just wasn't able to do things that I wanted to do in my normal habit and routine. And it was it was difficult. So they say if you want to change smoking, of course, there's addiction there. Nicotine, it hits your bloodstream very, very quickly, and it's, and it's, it's very rewarded uh, well, you know, once you can get past the taste of it, you know, want you to get sick. But eventually, uh, it, it rewards very quickly, but then it wears off very quickly. That's why you have chain smokers. Of course, there's an addictive part there, but along with the cigarettes, you form other habits around that cigarette. Uh, somebody maybe would say after sex, they have a cigarette and there's things that are identified with it that isn't as enjoyable. It's not, it's because it's connected. The habit is connected with the addiction and programmed into that. And, and having said that, there are habitual things that happen. So we have to give people time to change. But normally we say we want to change. Many times, I shouldn't say normally, many times we say we want to change, but we never really look into the values. Let me give you an example. So if I, you know, somebody, I respond in a way that I don't want to, I say, you know, someone says something to me, you know, I don't really like the way you do that. I don't really like you. You're, I don't, uh, let me say it another way. Someone comes up to me in church and says, no, we're not going to do that. You know, we thought we were, but we're not going to do that. And I respond by going, what? And all of a sudden my heart begins to beat faster, whatever it is. Uh, you know, you get dis- disrespected by your spouse and all of a sudden your body, you begin to see that you're starting to stress out. Your feelings are hurt. You're upset. Now that person may not have anything by it. Maybe they was having a bad day, but your response to that is connected to a belief. So this is important. We talk about codependency. We talk about things like that. But it's important that our beliefs are the deepest part of our heart, which out of, our, out of that comes then the issues of life, which is our emotions, right? So our emotions come out of our heart. Our, our will, what we decide to do, comes out of our heart our, our, and our spirit. And our mind, our emotions, our will, and also then we have our spirit, our spirit that was saved after we got saved in Christ. If you are saved, if you're not, you're going to have a very difficult chi- time changing anything. I know strong-willed people. But you can even change and quit all the bad attitudes, but still have a selfish motive because your heart's not right, because your spirit's not been made whole. But having said that, if you're a born-again Christian and you desire change and you have responses, for instance, you, you, you lash out at your spouse. For instance, you get upset at someone in church or someone is upset, upset in the workplace. You get your feelings hurt and you go, man, you know, did, did that really, did that infraction really, really um, warrant that type of response? I've seen I've seen people that responded in ways someone just says, hey, you know, I don't really, you know, care for that. And they go, what? Whatever. Do it yourself. I'm like, 
that that was actually a, a calm thing they said and then the person responds in anger and i mean their face gets red and i go man that's and i've seen it and i've seen it in my life the same thing happened in my life i overreact to something that happened well there's a belief there there's a value there I, it's a big red flag that says i believe something contrary or i am hurt or i am scarred listen i don't believe in digging on people until blood comes out that's why uh, most generally, even in our church, I do some counseling, but I don't do a lot of long-term counseling anymore at one time uh, where I where I was saved and I spent most of the time in church. I did. Uh, I did do that. I had more time to do that. But really, I don't do a lot of long-term because I find out that once you get into a depth of a person uh, that, that, that doesn't understand change, it, it just takes such a long process. But But having said that, I encourage people all the time to go to counseling. Because if you're responding in a way that, that the big red flag that's, you know, you're overreacting, you know, I've seen people that someone says one little critique thing to them, they can't take critique. Let me tell you this, part of my growth, I want to hear critique from people. Part of my, my spiritual and part of my life goals is to be able to, to be able to take criticism because if I don't ever get criticized, I fill myself with people around me that just tell me what I want to hear, and then no true change can take place. And this is important. We got to be able to have some people in our life, but and I think it's better than just your parents, but that, that's my opinion. I think you need people in the body that are on your team that can give you respectful criticism, and you should be able to take it. If not, that's a sign of emotional immaturity. And that's a sign that you don't value, truly value other people. Because if you want to be who God's called us to be, we have to be able to endure change and to be able to receive things on a level that uh, criticism is not bad. You know, rebuke a wise man, the Bible says, and you gain a friend. But you rebuke a fool, you enter into his folly. So the Bible says that if you that there is a place for rebuke. I'm not saying there's a place for meanness or rudeness, but many times people can't take the slightest little bit of critique because then they get defensive and they get hurt and then they'll just isolate themselves. And it's not of God. We saw this with Jesus. Jesus had Judas close to him. He knew was going to betray him. And you can say, oh, well, he knew it was prophecy. He knew it was this. Yeah, but, but he had communion with Judas knowing he was going to betray him. Now, was he rebuking him? No, but he was giving Judas time to change. He didn't isolate himself from people that would hurt him. He took rebuke. He took questions from people. He defended his faith. That was part of who he was. And that's part of our character that we don't just insulate people around ourselves because really true change, it comes from valuing people and learning of ourselves and who better to tell us and to critique us than somebody that's sitting on the outside of us. But having said that, our values are the core. You can try to change your thoughts all you want, and you can try, You can say, I'm going to think differently, I'm going to think differently, and that's fine, and you may. If you can do that, positive thoughts are better than negative. Matter of fact, negative thoughts actually damage your brain. Caroline Leaf believes that every 11 seconds, 11 or 13 seconds, I can't remember, that you're having a positive or negative. And if you have more positive negatives than positive, then it'll actually, it will cause you harm to your brain. Well, how'd you call you? And there's a, there's a soul brain connection. 
And she said it'll actually cause you to be more depressed and eventually can even lead to depressive uh, disorders and things and mental health disorders. And, and I'm, I agree with that. I agree. But you can get all of the pot. Sometimes you can't. I've seen people that say, I try so hard and I've tried for 40 days. I'm still depressed. And, and there is a place in this. Let, let me. Uh, there is a place when you look at every person. I think I have to go here since I went there. Every person, it's people aren't simple people. They're complicated. That's why I believe in counseling. That's why I believe in the support of the local church. That's why I believe in support groups. That's why I believe in small groups. That's why I believe in Sunday schools. I believe in all of that stuff because it's very important whenever you see a person that they are complicated, but there's biological, which is chemicals, weight, diet, your outer shell, the biological, the psycho, that's the past experiences. And then there's a social, that's the current situation, the current choices, the fellowship you have currently. So when you look into a person and change, you have to still consider the biological. In other words, if their if their sugar uh, if if their if their blood sugar's uh, five hundred, they're going to have a hard time feeling well, which is going to have them a hard time being happy and having joy. That biological five hundred sugar is going to impair them majorly, and you're going to have to look into that. But at the same time, then there's the, so whatever it is, uh, if, if their hormones, uh, women, uh, the very common to change their life, their hormones be having trouble. They want to change, but they have a hard time changing and being happy because their hormones are out of whack. And sometimes there's a place for hormonal replacement, natural therapy, diet, exercise, things you can do. But then uh, psycho, which is your past experiences. These are things, if you want to change emotionally or you, or you won't change emotionally, or you won't stop doing things like abusing alcohol or drugs. Some people say, well, they're just not saved. Well, that's true to a degree, but I also know some people have been doing drugs and alcohol a lot longer than others. I was 29, I was saved, you know, and some people say, well, you didn't do it 60 years, but I've seen people delivered in an instant that were been doing it for 50 years. It's not, but my point is, is there's some people that change differently. Some people may be right with God. We saw Samson was chosen of God, but he had an addiction to women, which ended up costing him his faith, which ended up eventually cost him his life. And I believe Samson was right with God as you ever seen. But, but, but what I'm getting at, I'm not making excuses, but I'm saying there, there are those biological things. And then there's those psycho things or past experiences. And sometimes people are medicating things that have happened in the past to numb themselves to the presence. Let me give you an example. One of the things that I, I deal with that I've dealt with in the past is I've dealt with people that that have a hard time with relationships without being inebriated, stoned, drunk, whatever it is. They can't have those relationships because they've only had relationships. Some of the people have started using drugs and they're 12, 14, 15 years old, and they have a real hard time because it's socially awkward, but they have a few drinks and they loosen up. That is, that is a way of past experiences when you have current experiences and you want to change. You want good relationships, but you can't have them. What's the answer? The answer is to get support change your social current situation, biopsychosocial, change your current situation and have fellowship with good people. There was a time when I got saved, I had a hard time having joy, having peace, having relationships, being able to talk to people. I know it's shocking now because I talk so much, but I did. I had a very difficult time because I, I had that part of that in my past. And there's some people 
that have the same problem it with with uh, with relationships and being able to minister to people and be able to receive people because maybe they were raised in a home that was a super tight fit unit that said, hey, we don't let anybody else in because if we do, it's bad and they'll hurt us. I've seen that happen. I've seen people that can't be real with people. They can't give their testimony with people. I've seen people that have a real struggle in that area. And that, that that's not any better in my, in my, in my opinion is that because why? Because we want to see change. We want to be like Jesus. We want to love people and, and we can't love people without knowing people. And so the core of this change has to be the heart and and when we don't see something changing, I see people all the time say, "I believe the Bible. All things work for the good. All things." And they quote all these scriptures, but they but they're living in defeat, and and they can't hold down a job, and they and they don't have good relationships, and they keep falling into the same bad relationship with men or with women, and they say they believe things, but they don't see change, because because truly in their belief system, the Bible says, "So a man thinks in his heart." So is he. I've quoted a thousand times. Or so a woman thinks in their heart. So are they. And sometimes we really don't have these deep values to where God values us. Because if God values us that much, I don't have to run to a drink. I don't have to run to a drug. I don't have to run to a poor relationship. I don't have to isolate myself. Because I believe in the God of the Bible that loves me unconditionally, that formed me, that breathed life into me, and he gave me all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given me all my self-worth, all my security, all my love that I'll ever need. He's given me all my significance. It doesn't matter if you were saved yesterday, if you were been saved 20 years, he put value on your life when he gave his son to die for you. And it doesn't matter how old the house is. When you hang a Rembrandt painting in there, it's worth a million dollars. And if you put it in a mansion, it's worth a million dollars. And it doesn't matter what the outside looks like. When God places his spirit in you, he says, I've given you value. You are an heir with Christ. You are now kings and now priests, the Bible says, that you are a partaker of heavenly things. And you are adopted into the family. And the truth is that the core of a person, if you don't have the core of that, that you are adopted in the family of God, he's given you the gift of the Holy Spirit at salvation that he gives in you and imparts into you. And he allows your spirit to be saved and your soul to be saved. Yes, we have an outer flesh, but if you get the value right on a person, that's why we plead so hard with souls to be saved and lives to be touched and Jesus Christ and him crucified. We have no other place that's level at the foot of the cross. Those are the things, the churchy things we say. What we're saying is, is I don't have values. I don't have a good core like that athlete until I get the thing right that God saved me for. He didn't save me to, to set me up on a shelf. He saved me to prove I couldn't do it myself, but to prove to me that he loved me, which is your core value. You know, God desires a relationship with us, and and he desires us to be able to have relationships, to be able to people to critique us and talk to us and grow with us. God desires that with all diligence, that keep their heart. There's another word for that. Guard their heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. 
and the devil's out to try to kill, steal, and destroy, and he'll tell you, you can't change, you can't do this, you, you'll never do it. Listen, the, the church as the community is part of this change. That's the social part. You have to get involved with the local church, a good church. I know churches, there are people, our church is not their church. I can just tell you, it's not. But I can find you and help you find a church. There's several churches that you can go to. They'll love you. They'll help you. And I encourage you to find that social part of change because if you don't, you'll never, I receive the love of people through the love of God long before I ever really understood because we are his body. We're his hands and feet. That's what the church is. I received love from a church long before I really ever understood that God loved me because the church is Christ's body manifest in the natural. And so I encourage you, if you're seeking change, find you a church And if you keep having bad habits, you can't change. Find someone, find you a counselor, find you someone that you can mentor you in your church that can help you deal with those past experiences and why you're overreacting. And I encourage you, if your health is not right, I encourage you to embrace and reach out to people. And whether it be all natural, kinesiologist, chiropractor, your medical doctor, whatever it is, get that right because it's all affected. You can't affect the biological part of the person and then not affect his current want to change. You know, otherwise you get unhealthier and unhealthier and then change never comes. Friends, I hope this has been good to you and I encourage you to press into change, press into community, press into your church. And I want to say this, one of the most important parts of change is revelation that comes through the spirit and the anointing of God. And when we worship God and we love God and we're a part of a church community and we find the presence of God, it will encourage us to change. And I encourage you, if you're not active in a church that you say, oh my goodness, I want to be a better Christian. I want to be more like Jesus. Then find yourself a place to where you can go and, and embrace change and embrace the that love because I promise you an important part of change is being impacted by the Spirit of God. And friends, I hope this word's been good to you. If you have any suggestions, I encourage you message me, share it on my Facebook. You can email me at pj at evidence.church. That's pj at evidence.church. And until next time, friends, God bless. <laughs>